Attention, please. Eastern Airlines Flight 19, now ready for departure. Welcome aboard the Walt Disney World Express Monorail. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we're entering the vacation kingdom of the world. There's enough land here to hold all of the ideas and plans we could possibly imagine. We call it Epcot. Will be our experimental prototype city of tomorrow. Welcome to another episode of the Retro Disney World Podcast. Taking you back to the vacation kingdom of the world, the way it was, and the way it is in your memories. Welcome back to the Retro Disney World Podcast. This is episode 22, Lake Buena Vista Shopping Village. And I'm your host, Todd McCartney, and this month we'll be taking you back to the way that Lake Buena Vista was in the early 70s and mid-70s when uh, had all those fantastic shops and brown buildings and everything um as with me always tonight is brian miles greetings from suburban philadelphia which featured the 1876 centennial expo which you can see in the american adventure attraction episode what was that at which episode was that (laughs) i don't know what episode it is but you can see it at epcot if you go there Uh, the 1876 expo you have uh, alexander graham bell pops up and uh who else comes up there to uh, Susan B. Susan Anthony, B. Anthony, Anthony and, and, uh, and <coughs> Carnegie. Car- Car- Carnegie. Carnegie. Andrew, Andrew built this Carnegie. Great hall. Yeah. Well, so, since everybody so. else chimed in, we also have JT Couser now, Bowers. How's it going, guys? Good, good, good. How are you? Pretty good. I'm going to throw a further <clears throat> plug in there. I'm sorry to talk over you, pal. Go ahead. Go ahead. You know, uh, Philadelphia is in uh, the American Adventure uh, like three or four times. So. <laughs> I, you know, I we're have, pretty awesome. Come visit. Philadelphia was kind of important to the formation of this country. I'm thinking. Yeah. Well, he does call it out each month as the birthplace of America. So. Yeah, and Independence Hall closes at like four. So if you want a tour, you better get there quick. Government building, buddy, and you got to leave it empty at night for Nicolas Cage. So Yes. That's <laughs> second Nicolas Cage reference here. Go ahead. So we are all back from our summer to-dos and vacations and all that. So we're going to be getting back to some attractions and, and, and going back in time to, uh, as we said tonight, Lake Buena Vista. But before we get to that, as always, we're going to go through our corrections and comments. And um, how this one's been kind of floating around for a few months, the mystery of R.J. McBean. But we have seemed to have solved that, correct? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. This was actually a really good one because I had no clue. So uh, so the question was back in our uh, Disney MGM episode, we talked about uh, sound stations and the character of R.J. McBean. And uh, we had someone, I think, last month uh, write us and ask uh, if we knew what the R.J. McBean reference was. And I had absolutely no idea. Uh, but Mark Marcuse sent a uh, a very interesting possible answer to it. Uh, he noted that the uh, that Cal Arts, the art school that very many of the Disney animators and uh, lots of personnel went to, is actually on McBean Parkway in Valencia, California. So potentially that's where R.J. McBean comes from. Look at that! So finally, the mystery has been solved debunked yep so thanks to never, Mark. never in doubt never in doubt we knew we'd find somebody with the answer that's right that's why i love our listeners thanks mark because because they know we get we get the we get the facts here when we don't know which is exactly. fantastic 
I, you know what? I love being right, but I love being wrong and then finding out what the actual answer is. So there we go. So thanks a lot, Mark, for writing in and mystery solved. So the next uh, additional information that we received from a listener, uh, this came from uh, Michael Summer. And uh, he wrote to us regarding the, the Penny Arcade. So back in episode 20, we were talking about those. And he took a tour with Jim Corpus a few years ago and discussed their, the mutoscopes that used to be there. Uh, and how he gave us some additional information, I think, that uh, really kind of closed out some of the questions you had about it. Yeah, so, uh, so what we were talking about was the context of what happened to the stuff uh, in the Penny Arcade. Um, <clears throat> we knew that, that there was a large buy of items that Disney made uh, when they went to record the, uh, the soundtrack for uh, America on Parade. A lot of that stuff was at uh, Walt Disney World for a while, and then it all kind of disappeared. So, <clears throat> so he said that he went on a tour, and um, oh, and I had incorrectly said that they had sold off all the stuff at an auction. And I actually did find the auction results online, and they actually sold off a bunch of the band organs. They kept some, uh, and I have a complete list. Someday we're going to do a Penny Arcade episode, and we'll take a deep, deep dive into this. Um, but he said uh, that in 95, when the arcade was closed, they stored the mutoscopes in the utilidors under Cinderella's castle, and water was leaking on them. And Jim Corcus was working at the Magic Kingdom at the time and saw him. Uh, and by the time he got to the Disney Insti- Institute, he actually convinced his boss to purchase two of the mutoscopes from Main Street Operations to add it to the Disney Institute's collection. So <laughs> even though, you know, we have this idea that Disney is like one large company and everybody gets along, but it's all really just tiny little companies. So to transfer those two objects from one facility to another required the Disney Institute to purchase them. So uh, after the Disney Institute collapsed, uh, they were moved to the boardwalk. Uh, and then uh, he... Jim said that those two in particular were uh, significant because they were actually purchased by Walt for use at Disneyland, and uh, those were then taken to Walt Disney World. Uh, there are still a few upstairs in the Main Street Station. Uh, apparently, from what I've read, uh, they are tend to be not functional. Um, and actually, Todd, you had remembered a band organ upstairs yeah. in the uh, train station, and right. th- that is actually true. Good. There is so one there. Serves correct. There's one. Uh, one of the other ones that they purchased is at uh, 1900 Park Fair right. in yeah. the yeah. Grand Floridian. Yeah. In the Grand Floridian, yeah. Yes. Yep. yeah. So that was one of the ones that was owned. There. And I understand that the Kentucky, Kentucky Derby uh, game is at Saratoga Springs. So I got to go check that out. Oh, cool. uh, if you remember, it was one of these old metal games and you'd put in five cents and the horses would run around the track. Uh, and then, Brian, there's a gentleman up your way that actually purchased a whole bunch of the arcade games. Yeah, there's a guy by the name, he's a former cast member by the name of Randy Senna, S-E-N-N-A, uh, and he owns uh, a, a um, arcade type of thing on the Wildwood, New Jersey boardwalk, uh, where they play a game, I want to say it's called Fantastic or Fantasy or... It's some old-timey game that uh, nobody else plays anymore, but he's got a full setup there and runs games uh, when they're open during the summer. And he also bought a bunch of the old arcade items from the uh, Penny Arcade, and he has them in working condition on his uh, in his Boardwalk Arcade that you can visit there. I have not visited yet because I very seldom get down there in the summertime when everything is open. Uh, but I'm going to try and make it there this fall before they close up shop. 
and the one thing he does have is huge signs all over his arcade that you are not allowed to do any photographing or videotaping inside, <laughs> presumably for uh, theft protection reasons. Huh. Interesting. But it is cool that those things are still out there in the wild. Yeah. Uh, and are playable. So yeah. you, if, if you were a fan of the old Penny Arcade, you can go there and actually uh, play some of the old games that uh, that used to play before. I, I saw in some of the photos that he had on his website, if you remember those baseball games where it would shoot the, oh, yeah, the, the silver ball yeah, down. The steel ball. Yeah, steel ball. And then you'd hit it with the bat and they would it would sort of like hit ramps and then go off into the different fields and yeah, the, yeah. the guys would run around the bases. He, he got a number of those. So. Oh, cool. Yeah, but I want to do a real... Uh, deep penny arcade uh, episode sometime because man I, I loved that arcade and they had a bunch of great crazy stuff yeah what, what we'll do how is when we're ready to do that episode we'll go on site you'll fly up we'll go to randy's arcade and we'll broadcast we'll record it right there with randy right there in the arcade there we go. Set that live be sound effects behind us yes around that him yelling get out of here no cameras on we're just recording right. audio audio only. audio only well michael thanks a lot for writing in on that awesome uh additional information to add to those and uh we'll let you know when we get that larger episode all set up um last thing here last month we talked a little bit about the the houses at bay hill and um looks like we as, as how promised he was gonna try to find out which house number who slept where so if you decide to make a reservation to bay hill you could go out there and really slept slept you could really sleep in roy's cabin uh and and how you turned out that it was 8922 tibet and joe's was 8928 tibet yeah, uh, and that came from Chuck Mirachi. So, Chuck, thanks a lot for sending that in. We've yes. pinpointed where Roy slept. All right, guys. So it is time to call the neighbors and wake the kids. We've got a big announcement, don't we? We've got something going on here in November. We've been talking about it for months. We've been now. tickling them with a feather. Just... Exactly. Exactly. So, um, for our listeners and anybody else who'd like to join up. Um, we are going to host the Retro Disney World Podcast 2016 Lake and Lagoon Tour. And uh, you can join all of us for a one-hour tour of Bay Lake and the Seven Seas Lagoon. And this is going to coincide with Destination D this year. So it's going to be November 19th and 20th of this year, approximately 1 p.m. And um, we've got... Uh, a lot of great information about it on our website. So if you go to retrodisneyworld.com forward slash tour, there's all the ticket pricing and information on it. Uh, tickets will go on sale September 25th on that page uh, of this year. And um, we've got this all set up. We're going to have, uh, you know, you get your ticket. You can optional T-shirt how you're designing uh, some T-shirts for us. We've got add-on lunches. going to be out on the water for about, for about an hour. And... Um, uh, one or two of us will be with you on the boat. We're going to do trivia. We're going to go out to all sorts of different areas on the lake and talk about the wave machine and the, the Captain Shoe Tree and, and, and Roy's cabin and all sorts River of country. Stuff. River country. River country. Um, the monorail beams. Uh, there's just so much to talk about. And uh, we're going to cram it into an hour of fun and delight out on the waves with your with your hosts. So really looking forward to having... Um, having everybody come and um, there is a limited number of tickets available it will be 50 tickets available first come first serve 
And uh, guys, you pumped for it? We, we absolutely we finally saying we're doing it. We're doing it. Come aboard. We're expecting you. That's right. I, I'm very excited. <laughs> We've got captain hats. We're we're all set for this stuff. Uh, and JT, I even I even have a small megaphone for you so that you can talk over everybody. That's awesome. I'm just gonna be driving, saying, "Sit down, please. Put on your life jacket. Yeah, yeah. Just you put on your life belts. Please keep yep. hands, arms, legs inside the vehicle at all times. And we're going full throttle the entire time, like yeah, five we only miles have an, an hour. hour. Yeah. yeah. No, I, <laughs> no I did flash a... photography, or we'll push you in the water. I did a dry run of this from the Polynesian Resort uh, uh, last uh, October. And it was a. I, I did it in a half hour, and it, it wasn't enough to go from the Polynesian all the way around what we want to do. And then you got to. By the time you get there, you got to turn it back. So this is going to be a full hour cruise between Bay Lake and Seven Seas Lagoon. Uh, Discovery should, it Island should be lovely is, that time of the year too. Yeah, it should is, be great. Yeah, we, sunny. We not doing Discovery hot. Island or what? Well, we'll stop that, by. I think oh, yeah. Pablo Cruz is on on the docket. Too. <laughs> yeah. We'll see the. We uh, could the probably get ship. them for the cost of a box lunch. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> They'll actually we be playing on boat them. two uh, if we you want to book your boat two spot. We we could we could yeah we could get a, a, a fourth pontoon boat and and just get Pablo Cruz to just follow and sail along with us. Just and tow him on a broken down sitting one. Sitting we'll find just, a way over and over again. <laughs> exactly. I think we should take a uh, I'll take a Bluetooth speaker and maybe play it as we roll by Discovery Island. Just you know. So we hope to see you there. Hope you'll join us this November. And again, find out the information at RetroDisneyWorld.com forward slash tour. All right. Well, it's time to move on to this month's Audio Rewind. And um, we had a good one last month that uh, you may have even known this song from something other than the attraction. Uh, Did you guys get it this month? No, no clue this month. I don't even remember it. It doesn't even remember it. this month's? I did, and only because uh, I stood underneath that speaker to record it <laughs> for like the twenty minutes of that loop one day. So, <laughs> did you have like right. a long mic on a stick holding it there, or were you just like just? Actually, that one. As you take the exit uh, from the, I remember I took the exit on the right hand side, and I think the right, the right and the left come together on the way out. There was mm-hmm. actually a speaker uh, just like an arm's length up to the top. So I was actually able to hold the microphone right there. Got it. Perfect. So before we reveal the answer and this month's winner, let's take a listen to last month's Audio Rewind Puzzle. All right. If you guessed Big Rock Candy Mountain from Big Thunder Mountain, you are correct. That was played in the queue area for at Thunder Mountain, in, uh, both in Disney World and Disneyland. Uh, and we do have a winner this month. It is Phil Speck. Congratulations to Phil. He'll be receiving the copy of Disney U that Brian put in, to, uh, put in for the prize this month. And um, speaking of prizes, we've got two things to talk about. First, we need an item for this month. And seeing that, I'm going to give a little sneak preview to next month's episode. Next month, guys, we're going to be going back to the Carousel of Progress. So, um, if you remember, last month we also had Ted Linhart on. And he was nice enough to donate a few things for this puzzler. And he sent me a Progress Land brochure from General Electric, which is all about the Carousel of Progress at the World's Fair. This thing's filled with fantastic... Uh, 
pictures and, and drawings and, and everything of what the Carousel of Progress would be and what the pavilion would look like. So that's going to go to this month's winner. Um, but we also need a prize pot. And um, JT, before we figure out where we're going to add, are you going to go? Uh, you got you got the you got the list going there. Where's where's the set list? Let me dig it out here. I gotta. Yeah, I got it. I'm ready. Right. Got it. It's got set a meatball list. stain on it. So yeah, it's I ate dinner, I had pizza tonight. And set it's, your egg timer. This is gonna take a while. So uh, all right, get a couple from the top. Drum roll, please. First month we had an orange bird yo-yo. Then we had a world of motion brochure, a golf resort golf bag tag, Epcot salt and pepper shakers, uh, Disney World glass candy dish, the Tomorrowland manual, the 1984 Disney News, the Walt Disney World Explorer CD-ROM. Uh, the expired Discovery Island tickets, and is am I missing something? So what should we add this month? Anybody? Oh, we're, we're there. Caught up. All right. You know, I have to go to the back of the paper, too. I'm full on the front. All right. So this is, they're going to the second side. Yes. Brian, how do you have anything to add? Always. Always. Yeah. <laughs> always. I always have something to add. So, guys, uh, we need something for this month. And how is – he just left the room. He's going to come back and – He's rummaging He's through some trash. Yeah. How has a has a, a vault? We believe um, it has a twelve digit code to get in with all of his mysterious uh, Disney memorabilia. Retinal, you could still hear him in there. Scan. Yeah. <laughs> He's got his thumbprint. Yes. It's. A... Oh, he's back. He's back. He's all right. Back. How's do, do we all have right. something from the vault? How? We do. We do. I have a uh, a Viewmaster. Ooh, of Frontierland. Oh, fantastic! Like the slide, like the thing you—the plastic piece. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. Thing. yeah. A little wheel. We're gonna have wheel. to find a few masters to send to our listener, maybe, or they 21. can just hold it up and stare up at a light bulb with it. It's got twenty-one three D images, cool. including the mile-long bar. Remember that? Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, keel boats, of course, long, long forgotten. Maybe next uh, month we could throw a viewmaster in the pot to view. That'd be something. Yeah. Yeah, lots of country bears, some uh some shooting diamond horse review. In there? Yeah. Uh Big Thunder. Nope. No shooting gallery. No shooting gallery. Okay. Sorry about that. That's all right. And it shot real pellets. <laughs> Those are the days. I actually there were some really nice photos of that that showed up out of nowhere this week. On out on the internets. On the internets. Brought back many fond memories. <laughs> Ding. All right. So if you want to win the prize pot or win this month's prize, which is the Progress Land brochure. Um, you're going to have to try to guess this month's Audio Rewind. If you think you know the answer to this month's Audio Rewind, send your guesses to podcast at retrodisneyworld.com. All entries must be received by September 20th, 2016. All correct guesses of this month's Audio Rewind uh, will be entered into a random drawing to get the progress land uh, brochure as the prize and all entries regardless if it is correct or not will be entered in the big prize pot drawing in december 2016 and that list is huge and check out this month's post regarding the prize pot which has got pictures of everything on there so keep those answers coming again send your entries to podcast at retrodisneyworld.com all right it's time for listener mail jt the mailbag was full as always Hot summer day, you're out there sweating, dragging it up into the house. But uh, so hot, so what, hot. What do we got this month? I uh, got two this month. Uh, first one from our old buddy Scott, 
Remember Scott? Yeah. Scott Marchino, yeah. Yeah, he uh, he says his family and I are planning to visit Walt Disney World in early December. Could you guys point out any attractions or locations that are gone, but they may like still have remnants that he can sort of stare at, reminisce, anything anybody wants to... You know, the first one that popped into my brain was the Tom Nabby monorail thing. That's what I feel like would be a fun thing to look for. Yeah. Uh, from an attraction perspective, you know, I immediately my head goes to Tomorrowland because if you know where to look around the Speedway and, and, and certain other areas, the original design of the People Mover and, and before they had those overlays with those mechanical leg things on it are, are still there. <laughs> um, and that the, the bathrooms, albeit quite modified, that were underneath the Skyway station. But wasn't that whole building knocked down and rebuilt, though? No, no. As far as I know, the bathrooms are still the original bathrooms. They're still the original bathrooms. They just took off the Skyway stuff at the top. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, so that's there. Um, what else we have that that would have been taken out? But well, I mean, you can see the you can see the Mike Keelboat the Mike Fink Keelboat dock is still there. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. right yeah. in front of the Canoe. haunted mansion. Over at the studios, uh, we have the the old queue. The backlot tour still exists where the uh, behind the animation building. Which is just yep. this weird set of cues in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> looking <laughs> off into a building now where the uh, trams used Todd, to pull up. Todd, that's not the animation building; it's Star Wars Launch yeah. Bay. I'm sorry. Please call it by its proper name. Okay, I'll get Again, that. Force be with you. <laughs> Makes me sad. And I guess you could go into what what is in the space where the catwalk bar was. What is that now? If you looked up, you could. That's the Disney Junior live on stage, isn't He's it? Still Disney Junior still there? Okay. Yeah. So actually, the catwalk bar is still sitting behind the Disney Junior live on stage set. You, yes, the that. soundstage restaurant was taken over, but the remnants of the catwalk bar are still sitting up there, waiting to be reactivated someday. Hopefully, flip the switch, Scott. Yes. When you go, fire it up. <laughs> No, we actually uh, the apparently the neon lights actually for the catwalk bar sign are actually still burning to this day. <laughs> what? And, yeah, <laughs> they just don't know how to shut them off. They don't know how to shut it off. <laughs> we shut it off. Disney Junior's going off the air. Everything goes down. Um, Scott, another thing to do. Uh, we'll 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 do a a plug for somebody else here on YouTube. If you look up Adam the Woo. Adam did a great video about three or four months ago, uh, walking around Hollywood studios, uh, showing you about 15 different locations where there are remnants of original Disney MGM studios attractions. Uh, so I recommend that video before you go, because it gives you a whole bunch of new things to look for in Hollywood studios. Yeah. And of course, if you, if you know someone in the DVC, you can go up to the DVC lounge in the imagination building and be sort of at least in the space where it works once was or if you want a real good easter egg hunt walk around epcot and try to find any original signs on any door that have the original font on it there's there's still a handful out there. there's There's still a bunch out there and uh we still have that blessed one side of the uh what is it? The camera store that's still they 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 changed oh, the, the store. Yeah, yeah. That, well, they changed the uh, the ca- what the heck? Come on, I have pictures that, of it. That trim is there. That's got like the those trim stripes. is on the one side. They replaced the camera side with the film store with Nikon because oh, they yeah, changed the sponsor. <clears throat> right. But on the other side, it's the uh, it's the shop still has the uh, still has the original four earth tone colored uh, stripes. With the uh, what the heck is it called? Come on, I'm a, I don't know. 
I know what you're talking about. Hang on. And hopefully, uh, hopefully Scott knows what you're talking about. But it is Scott, Scott, yeah. So what, that would be, here. as you're approaching Spaceship Earth, is that on the left side? It's on the, the right left, side. The left, left side, side is the one that's still the, yeah, the original. Through the turnstiles. So Scott, when he goes, he needs to like tweet at us or put pictures up just showing us what we just coached him on. You know, this is something that I have thought a long time about maybe doing a book about. So if there's there's some interest yeah. there. Is there any it's like, Communicore carpet left anywhere? The old original mm-hmm. Communicore carpet? No, I'll tell you, there are some uh, there are some of the original exit signs. Uh, oh. If you go inside of I'll, I'll tip my hand a little bit on one of the chapters I'm working on because I am working on this book. So if you go to the uh, to the guest uh, services area in Epcot, mm-hmm. walk in the door. That is where uh, where Smart One used to be, and the computer coaster uh, in that spot. If you turn around and look up, you'll see an exit sign there. And the exit signs are really fascinating because they're like triple thick lucite oh, uh, huh. of like two different colors. Like so, it's the old Epcot font that's an exit, and like mm-hmm. the rim is a different color than the the front part, the front face of the word exit. They must have been super expensive to make. Um, I got my answer, by the way. It's Gateway Gifts. Oh, there, there we go. go. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, one more thing I want to do when we go in November, uh, Universe of Energy, because, you know, there's all the rumors that it's going to be torn out and you might not, you know, see what's left again or the fountain, right? Isn't that? Yeah. Uh, the fountain will probably go. And then the tile work as you go through the door uh, is a fantastic piece of art. And that um, surely will, I, will be missed once. Yeah, it's a whole but building. I, I, I can't think of anything else in the Magic Kingdom that, um, you know, really... I mean, the biggest changes over the years that we've lost, uh, you know, is, is Tomorrowland. Everything else is pretty much gone. There's one, what, small two-by-three-foot section of the 20,000 Leagues building that was used as the foundation. So it was a modification. <laughs> That's the rumor I heard rather than a new building. But who knows? But, Scott, thanks for writing in and um, uh, appreciate it and uh, keep your questions coming. So, um, JT, we had, we had another one too, right? Yeah, um, got it from Reese. Um, she says, hello, I had a question about something that I had heard from one of the, my family's Disney employee friends. I love employee friends. Always interesting. He had been there when the river from Tom Sawyer's Island was drained, and he had said that there were thousands of bones from turkey legs that people had thrown <laughs> in the water. Um, I'm still not entirely sure if I believe him or not, so I was wondering if you had any evidence to back up on back him up on this. Um, if there isn't much known about this, I thought it would still be a good story to share. Thanks again, Reese. So, uh, <laughs> the turkey leg boneyard. What do we got? Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I don't think we can confirm that, but I, I think it's probably unfair to blame it entirely on turkey legs because that would neglect that Aunt Polly's, the restaurant uh, that's never open anymore on Tom Sawyer Island, used to sell cold uh, box lunches of cold fried chicken. And so I would think that there would be a fair amount of fried chicken bones to join yeah. any turkey leg bones in the drink there. And what's interesting, too, is I know there's science people out there. They're going to say, oh, well, chicken bones must float. Well, chickens, I just looked it up. Chicken bones have a, have a density of somewhere between 1.2, 1.5. So they will indeed sink. Science? Science. That's <laughs> Someone has a complete list of the density of things yeah, and just, whether or not they'll sink. Yeah, we, we checked amazing. on this one. So, Reese, we you know the, the thing, scientific answer. I don't know yeah. about turkey legs, but the thing that fascinates me is that people who throw change 
in the water. And I have you heard already stories. paid a lot of money to get in. What yeah, you I have heard stories that when they drain uh, like rivers and waterways that they have when they pump out the water, they have to have pump it basically through some sort of uh, like metal grate to catch all the change that people have thrown in the water over the course change of time filter. And then it gets donated to some charity or something. So, of course, it does. I don't know. Well, there's a Allegedly. lot. Of, some of them throw it into the the water over in the land, right? And outside of the land, in in the, in the east side, west side of uh, of Epcot of Communicore. That I I took a walk through Disney Springs recently, and I there were people that had thrown change in the uh, water. Like, and it, the one thing that fascinates me is that a people are still carrying around change, right? right. <laughs> but then that's why you throw it in the water. I don't want right. to carry change around. <laughs> Like why are uh, the wishing well fountain, right? (laughs) But yeah, it's just now it's just become like any body of water at Disney is like a change magnet. Really odd. I I think it's nice. And, and for those that scientifically based change does sink too. We've, we've been (laughs) able to scientifically prove that. So, but uh, if she's a witch, (laughs) she's made of wood. (laughs) What also floats in water? Braid. Apples, uh, very small rocks, cider, a great gravy, cherries, mud, a churches, churches, lead, lead, a duck. <laughs> Build a bridge out of her. <laughs> and with that, it's time to close up the listener mailbag. JT, tell them where they can find us. Uh, get in touch with us at podcast at retrodisneyworld.com. Any questions, comments, concerns, um, whatever, uh, even bones in the Rivers of America question. We take it so all. cool to hear for Yeah, we take it all and read it all. So thank you so much for all your mail. All right. Well, it's time to move on to our main topic, which is Lake Buena Vista, uh, the shopping village. And um, while I have awesome fond memories of this place uh from the whatchamacallit to the buildings and the shops and the candle shops and we're gonna take you on a tour through all this and um how i'm gonna let you kind of lead this uh and I'm, we're all gonna chime in as, as we've got some commentary to discuss but uh that was uh there's not much left of what was built in the early 70s is there you know, I guess the thing is it's it's changed so radically over the course of time, not only from the standpoint of, you know, what's been added, because mm-hmm. uh, it started out, you know, if it's called the landings now, it's, and I don't even know if it's people are, are even familiar with that. I'd probably we, mo- we mostly know it as the marketplace, probably everyone, right. because the most recent Disney Springs revamp uh, is still only a couple of months old, so. So if we give them a a visual, probably from what we're talking going to be talking about today is what you know as from about the Rainforest Cafe, um, all the way up to about where World of Disney is, and kind of curling a bit over towards the Empress Lily later on as as Lake Buena Vista evolved. Yeah, you can. There was a little stand where the Lego store kind of is now, and then it kind of ended. at first it ended right there uh, and then the Empress Lily was added on later on which was now Fulton's Crab House which is now becoming uh, something fish, mud fish what is that thing called? <laughs> uh, it was, yeah, it was something odd I forget, Paddlefish Paddlefish, that's, paddlefish, that's it, it. <laughs> that yeah, which, is, which is an actual kind of fish by the way oh, yeah, fantastic yep. uh, <clears throat> so it started out very small and then over the years of course it's expanded and expanded and expanded and now with uh with the latest changes, 
it's kind of folded back onto itself. So there's there's been even more changes uh, in that area, which which had been sort of mostly untouched. But yep. uh, yeah, it's it's crazy. So uh, so let's roll back to uh, to 1975, uh, and and as we talked about on some of the early episode earlier episodes, uh, there wasn't much for people to do uh, in the early days of the parks. Uh, parks closed at six o'clock. Generally speaking, unless it was a, a summertime or a weekend, and then sometimes it was open until one. But uh, especially in the early years, it, the Magic Kingdom shut down relatively early. So then, what was there for people to do? So uh, shopping, uh, I I think that was an obvious part. It was something that was always kind of meant to be. Uh, and they took some of the vendors from the Magic Kingdom over into uh, into this uh, shopping area that they built at Disney Village. But I I think one of the really uh, things to remember uh, that made it really bizarre uh, when it first opened up was that there was no connecting road between the Magic Kingdom and the shopping area. If, if you wanted to get there, you literally had to drive back out to I-4 and it's, it's, go down to the 535 exit and then turn left down 535 and then turn down uh, Preview Boulevard, which was uh, later renamed uh, Hotel Plaza Boulevard right, yeah. in order to get there. So it was it was a little bit out of the way. It wasn't like today where there's roads that directly cut over there. Um, it's I think amazing it, that they didn't, you know, I don't know if that was maybe part of the plan to kind of keep it separate because we know that this was kind of supposed to be a more of the shopping, the community area, right? Yeah, and, and uh, we won't talk about it tonight, but there were some townhomes and, and mm-hmm. other things that were built over in that area. Yeah, that's an, uh, so people are, if you, the townhomes and the villas and the, the, the golf uh, villas and the, the, the uh, uh, tree houses... That's a whole separate episode because there's so much to talk about for those. So we are going to get to those. But tonight we're just focusing on the the crescent, if you will, of, of the Lake Buena Vista shopping. Yeah. And that area that we're talking about there is now Saratoga Springs. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. So yep. was the Disney Institute, then became Saratoga. So that also has gone through a million, billion changes. So. Right. Um, so the village uh, opened up. It was originally called the Lake Buena Vista Village. It opened up on March 22nd, 1975. Uh, and just to go through the name changes. So <laughs> it was called Lake Buena Vista Village. Then uh, it was called Walt Disney World Village in 1977. Which is kind of uh, a, yeah, it's kind of a lame name. <laughs> yeah. Then it became uh, the uh, Walt Disney World Shopping Village. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then it became the Disney Village Marketplace in '89. So this thing now it's Disney Springs. So this is this has gone through continual changes over the year. Now, here's a question for you guys. To me, it's always been like Buena Vista. Whenever I say I'm going over Lake Buena, is, is that what you guys call it to this day? I never call it the Disney Village Marketplace, or you know, I I can't not call it Lake Buena Vista. Yeah. Okay. So you're in the same boat as I am. Yeah. I the only time I have I use a different terminology is if I talk to my kids because they have no idea what that is. Right. Right. And then, so so the funny thing is we were there in January of '88, and for the longest time I always called it Buena Vista Village. Um. So I I don't know why. I mean I think the signs there still said Lake Buena Vista Village or something around there. Mm-hmm. So there yeah, there's it. probably p- bits and pieces of signs left over from for back then. I, I wouldn't doubt it at all. Yep. So, uh, so there was a, a huge array of shops here. Um, but uh, let's start sort of uh, at the anchor of everything and then we'll work our way out from there. So, um, today what you guys know is the pin trading area, uh, the pin store 
that thing was called the Captain's Tower, and that was sort of the centerpiece of the village. So the, the building that you got there today is is very much the same as it was uh, back then. And that's the um, Except it actually had like a, a huge uh, sort of like tower thing attached in the middle. Were, were the lights uh, or bells or something in it, right? Was it I, there probably were lights at the top, but I don't ever remember bells. Okay. I'm just remembering long, tall, skinny things, but then again... A lot of things in the seventies looked like that. <laughs> yes, yes, but you know it. It was uh, it was the one very tall thing in that area that sort of became a visual focus. So when you, no matter which area you and you approached from, it's like that was sort of the weenie to draw right, right. you to the center. Okay. Uh, and today, it's just kind of like walk around a circle. It's got the little train over there, and the carousel is close by, uh, and it's all closed off. But originally, when that was built. It was just sort of like a mixed use space and it was actually blown wide open from one side to the other. Uh, there were posts that held the whole thing up, but you could actually see straight through. So it was just a large covered area uh, that they could use for events and things. And there was a little bit of a uh, sort of like a sloped area out front um, that was tiered where people could kind of sit. And uh, like when I was in chorus in elementary school, our school actually came out and we gave a performance uh, under the captain's tower in that area. So that so, kind of goes back to the whole community idea of what this was, right? You know, yeah, they, commu- shared space, community space, you know. They worked very hard in the early years to do a lot of things to draw the Orlando uh, community residents like out uh, to go shopping there. Right. So, yeah, they had schools out all the time. Uh, I remember... Uh, when the space shuttle program started to take off, they did a uh, like a talk from NASA out there, and uh, a guy brought you know a space shuttle tile and a uh, one of those uh, I don't know what do they call those burner things like a torch like an acetylene not an acetylene torch but like one of those little handheld torches. Oh yeah, like a butane torch. Yeah, yeah, like a butane torch, and they like lit the thing on fire and you know showed how it controlled the heat and they uh, ran movies about the planets and different things under there in a little. <laughs> like cordoned off dark area. <laughs> so they would have all kinds of random stuff there. Uh, I saw some pictures on the internet the other day of uh, when Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker, I guess they actually had Mark Hamill there to like sign uh, autographs and Darth Vader signed autographs <laughs> under there. That's awesome. <laughs> so they were constantly doing stuff to, uh, to try to drop people out. And in fact, I remember it must've been 78 or 79 for a while in the early eighties, they did uh, like, costume contests so before mickey's halloween party and all the stuff that was in the parks they would actually do uh sort of like a trick-or-treat thing there and they had a contest i remember for a couple years they actually did a costume contest they you would come there um they would put you on disney employee buses and they took us out to um i think the beginning of hotel plaza boulevard and then we actually were in a parade uh, and walked back down Hotel Plaza Boulevard uh, to the village, and then they did the uh, the costume contest judging there. And I actually remember uh, my friend Josh Barnes and I uh, went and got these like plastic alien uh, heads that you had to glue together with uh, model glue, and then we got like hockey uh, like pads and gloves and things and made these alien costumes. Uh, <laughs> This girl who looked like she was probably 19 or 20, who was in an absolutely perfect Snow White costume. And she even had like the little box with the heart and the and the swords through it. 
uh, like full size with her. And I remember she won that. And I, uh, I recall that they had like a headless horseman character. I think that was actually Disney's like on a horse there as part of the thing. And I think he was in the parade. So that was a very common thing. Uh, they did stuff all the time to try to draw people out. I, I, later on, they started to actually put some partitions, uh, permanent partitions in there. I think they added sort of like a storage space in the center. Right. Yeah. Um, and then you couldn't see through it anymore. But before they built the stage uh, where they eventually did the uh, the Christmas pageant, that was that was where they held their events there. Todd, what was your what was one of your favorite stores? Let me like throw it to you for a second. There was three that I remember and really loved when I went there. Toys Fantastique, um, definitely up there. And then the two that I remember going into and enjoying one was the the candle store, uh, and where they made all these funky candles that were half warped and twisted and melted and kind of artwork in a way. Uh, and then I remember the the the, the gourmet food store. Um, where you could go in and buy all sorts of, of kitchen items and sundries, and, and they had all different gourmets and pastas and different things. Cool. Um, well, let's talk about Toys Fantastique. Okay. Because right. we'll start there. That was one of my favorites too, and that's located where that like uh, um, is it Little Miss mismatched and sort of like that weird little f- like things for like five dollars and ten dollars store is now. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, that's so right near the hexagon. Yeah. So. Uh, so the thing that I remember about Toys Fantastique, so uh, looking back at the guidebook, so like its claim to fame is that it had European toys, which is why I think it had the Fantastique thing. So it's trying to sound French or something. It's very sophisticated. So I kind of remember that was one of the few places that actually had Legos back then. Yes. Like a whole bunch of Legos. There's a and, fantastic and fact, picture. I'll tweet this out of my brother um, and my father staring into the display case. The... Uh, the Lego was actually behind glass <laughs> when we were there. But uh, and Tom, yeah. was it you that posted the photo of the Pete's Dragon Lego? Yes, in yes. the store. That's correct. I do have a picture yeah. of that. So, uh, so here we are. Prior to the big Lego store, this is 1970. This was what? This was 80. Okay, 1980. It was 80. Yep. Um, and that thing. Let's see. Judging from the picture, the size of it. I mean, it had to be. I'd say about four and a half to five feet tall, somewhere yeah. in there. Um, it looked good. Yeah, yeah. Looked- and then the other, I'm trying to think if there's, a, in, in the picture you could see a lot of different Lego behind it. Um, the other thing that I remember they had, they had a lot of stuffed toys, and they had um, LGB trains and, and, and Meccano. Um, and for those who don't know what Meccano is, it's really the original Rector set. Uh, it's, or it's the European version of it, I guess I, you could say. Um, and uh, I remember those those items uh, really, really well. But it was just chock full of all sorts of wonderful stuff. I mean, when they say European toys, what they're really talking about is German toys, because no one else in Europe was really known for these terrific toys. I mean, it was right. That's true. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the no. Lego, the Lego was Denmark, but probably I'm assuming that all of the uh, plush were stiff, probably. You know, from yes, Germany. actually, that was mentioned in a, that the plush were stiff. Yep, and yep. Um, I mean, if you if you look at the the other photos, you could see that I mean, LGB we know is from is from um, uh, Germany, and there's some that looks like Fisher. Is it Fisher Scientific? Yep, Fisher. Yeah. Fisher's yeah. in there. F F I S C H E R. Yeah. Yep. Now. One of the things that I really loved about that store is uh, it had a second floor and you would take these sort of weird 
creaky-ish stairs <laughs> up to this, almost like an attic, because you were really up against the top of the building up there. Right, right. Uh, and Todd, you actually have, I'm so thankful that you have a picture of this, <laughs> that you would have these two low tables with wind-up toys yep. uh, that were just out that you could play with. Yeah. So as a kid, no store had things out that you could actually like touch and mess around with. But they actually had wind-up toys, and I remember uh, when the 80s came out and those little Tomy water toys where you'd push the button and it would like squirt the a jet of air inside of the oh, yeah. uh, capsule. And then you'd try to like make a basket with a basketball or put rings like on uh, like yep. little hoops and things. I remember those, yeah. It's like you, you could go in there and if you wanted to, you could just play for hours and yeah. nobody said anything. So yeah. it was that was a great place to be a kid. Yeah, yeah it really wasn't. Um, just... Could, could have spent an hour plus in there just staring at the stuff. Yeah, and later on, I remember they had a they had an like an Atari VHS play <laughs> it comes downstairs. down the Atari again. Yeah, boom. <laughs> uh, where they had like I don't know twenty or thirty games where you could like push switches. It was very similar to the ones that they had in the Sears stores in the nineteen seventies, but you could ba- basically like play test games for like a minute at a time. Now, how was there a no eating rule in the store? Or could you bring your pie right up there and just play games and, and eat pie while you're slice only? No, not I a whole pie. You, in the 1970s, nobody brought food or drinks inside of any stores. Really? That was yeah, you're just right. Verboten. They would you smoke should... while while shopping, but <laughs> right. they would not. Right. <laughs> don't smoke yeah, don't worry about the, the ash. Now, I just, right I just on the video this game. toy in the pic in, 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 in my photos, the Kleinstadt forty nine hundred. I got this. Looks what is that? It's all German toys, man. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to research the Kleinstadt forty nine hundred. It looks like some sort of modular train or building set. Well, there goes the night. You're looking for that. Right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> buying one on eBay. Yeah. What the hell is this? Well, we but should yeah. probably move out of the toy store. There's plenty of other things. This I season. could stay there forever. And, and next to that, now here's here's one where I'm a little fuzzy. So I'll I'll uh, invite the listeners to uh, to give me a correction on that. So I know that there was a another store attached to that one that had uh, kids clothing, um, and also some also some plush animals, but not uh, not the Disney plush, um, and. What I'm trying to remember is originally um, there wasn't much in that whole area that was very heavily Disney branded and, you know, cool and interesting. But there was a store that had uh, a Winnie the Pooh theme inside oh. and it had a tree. And then there was a poo hanging from a balloon on a wire that would kind of go back and forth uh, up in the air, mm-hmm. like between the tree. And I think uh, maybe uh, Owl's house was in the tree as well. And I can't remember if it was that store or if uh, that store closed and it became a different one later on. Huh. So uh, if somebody can remember, please, uh, please, you know, How needs to know it was called. So that one was called. It's a small world after all. So I'm thinking it must have had. I think that's one where I've seen pictures of that. I kind of remember where it had sort of like small worldish looking uh like blocks of color and sort of a Mary Blair look about it. Was it, and maybe that got converted like when the poo craze took off in the mid seventies. And it was a separate building, so it wasn't connected to this. That one was, it was, I believe, in the same building, but you'd actually have to like go out. It go wasn't. Outside. This was walk, before we did yeah. all the, the the walls knocked down and all that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, 
Um, so that was a big deal. And uh, were you talking about the gourmet pantry? Is that the story? yes, the gourmet pantry? That's 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 what I was thinking of. Yes. Yeah. So that's where I think Earl of Sandwich is now. <clears throat> Correct. Yeah. Yep. So it was a very, very large store. And as you mentioned, it's like as the Bowers family, that's where we always got our pies. Uh, <laughs> Earl of Sandwich. That's where it was. Yeah. Interesting. That was that was quite a large store because they had the the counter where you could get the baked goods, uh, and then sort of like what you see at the resorts uh, with um, like the huge refrigerator walls of like you know waters and they basically had like waters and cold cuts and like all kinds of stuff that you get. Uh, I guess if you were staying at the campgrounds or one of the hotels or something, you get a huge amount of supplies there, gourmet stuff, but then also just sort of baked meat, bread, like loaves of bread and everything. Right, because if you, you were staying there or one of the villas or something like that and you had a kitchen, you were going to want to possibly cook. And That's it. It's the villas. That's probably where they had that. Yeah. yeah and that I remember sense. staying in the villas in 86, and we certainly did go there and buy a few things. And, and uh, you know, keeping, again, keeping you on property. It's convenient, walkable. Totally makes sense. Yep. Totally makes sense. Um, Let's see. So what else was great? Do you remember... Uh, do you remember the? Uh, did you ever eat at the restaurant there? The Which old one? Uh, Captain Captain Cooks. Well, there, well, Captain, there was Cap, there was Captain Jack. Captain Jack, sorry, right? Captain Jack. Which I don't know if anyone ever ate there. I never. Like, as a, <laughs> that's why. Well, that's why it only got. <laughs> come on, what's Cap? What's Captain Jack's famous for? I'll get Getting you high, high tonight. No, the strawberry margaritas. That's a yes. Yes, that was the birthplace of the strawberry margarita. Really? But the name, the name is kind of, it is kind of weird. I wondered where that name came from. I mean, I I ate there back when they still served raw oysters. And then they stopped sometime in the early 2000s. They wouldn't serve raw seafood anymore. So you had to go in there and get cooked stuff. But I went in there because it, at that point it was called Captain Jack's Oyster Bar. Yep. Right. And I said, great, I'll take a, a half dozen oysters. Oh, we don't serve raw. <laughs> 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 it's like, we'll change your name. <laughs> so You're right. <clears throat> so That's was, what it was famous for, raw oysters and strawberry margaritas. Yeah. So we had there was there was a deli, right? And and then there was the light bite. Heidel, Heidelberger's Deli. Deli, right. Yep. And <clears throat> Which bite. was super dinky so if you're in that same area where the where the earl of sandwich was it was just this tiny little building at the end of that which uh it's probably there but it's probably not even really part of that the uh the earl of sandwich anymore i mean i want to say there was probably enough room for the counter inside uh and maybe like four to six tables and then there was some outdoor seating, but it was really small. And and the light bite was there too, right? Yeah, the light bite was uh, uh, in a different building, but very close to that. So the, that was in a building to the left of it uh, where the Ghirardelli chocolate uh, thing is right. now. Yeah, <clears throat> I'll get to the light bite in a second. The, the one thing I want to say about the Heidelbergers is I remember... Uh, my dad would always order something like a Blue Max. They had a very small amount of sandwiches on the... <clears throat> they had a couple of specialty sandwiches, and then you could order, like, liverwurst, and then your choice of, like, different breads, like rye, like, super German stuff. And they would have, uh, like, fake sausages and cheese, like, hanging from the walls as decoration. And it was very... 
very crude. I want to say the menu board was probably like those little letters that you would push into the like indentations. Oh yeah. In order to hold <laughs> the place. It was not fancy. It was not fancy at all. But that's where we always ate lunch. Bowers family definitely always ate lunch in that place. I wanted to go to Light Bite because I like the burgers, but dad always dad and mom preferred the German place. I'm I'm sure they must have had German potato salad too. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, so Light Light Bite was where Ghirardelli is now. Uh, that was a just a small hamburger shop. I think they just had like burgers and fries and maybe a couple of other like smaller sandwiches. Uh, and then directly in front of that was the whatchamacallit, which was probably uh, the greatest thing for a kid. I mean, there. Yeah. Outside this, of the shop. This thing, I just, I mean, the, the, the design of it, the fact that you could get splinters everywhere, I think was half the appeal. <laughs> <laughs> now that had, that wasn't like that when it was new, was it? Was it much better protected? You're not as worn out. Yeah, well, let's first explain to the listeners who don't know what the whatchamacallit is. Yeah. So, it was a climbing play structure of very angular design um, and, and tubes coming out of it. It was all wood. Um, it had a, a metal slide that came down from one side. Uh, the geometric pattern of it, it came off at an angle and they had a, it was a fireman's pole that you could, you could slide down. Um, yep. And you go up to the top on, on what looked like almost like a macaroni or a ziti tube, I guess you could say, <laughs> and had all these little holes. And that was so that you probably you didn't pass out because it was hot as hell. In there. Right. <laughs> could, there's always a picture. You know, if you were going to take a picture of you in the whatchamacallit, your hand would be waving out through those those little breathing <laughs> holes. There's some stainless steel involved, too. I mean, it was just a fantastic design. I mean, uh, and what was the the ground around it was like an astroturf or something, right? This there was wasn't that soft that I remember. I think when it first opened, it was mostly just uh, <clears throat> um, mulch. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I think it was all mulch, and then maybe at some point they replaced it once they came out with that fancier uh, <clears throat> that like plasticky stuff that was in the Honey I Shrunk the Kids movie set adventure area. Right, right. right. Yeah, they might have done that. a revamp of that at some point, but. After, it didn't last very long after that. That's when it got ripped out and they put in the uh, the kaleidoscope thing. Yep. It's very yeah. just if you had to pick a playground that was in the 70s, this is it. Like stereotype it. That's, well, and it's brown and orange. I mean. that Yeah, <laughs> but it's just like angular. It looks like a, like a 70s house. Like, you know, it's just very odd. What year did it's, that open, Hal? The Wunchamacall? Was that part of phase two? It, it, go ahead, pal. No, you go ahead, Brian. Yeah, it was uh, it was done with the rest of the the initial development. If you remember, they were still like planning sod and stuff the day yeah. that like they they opened the thing. So uh, the shopping village like was still being finished as it opened and, and people came in. But uh, we touched base uh, via Facebook in the last week or so with Scott Gerard. Right. Scott Gerard worked for Disney at the time. And he said that the play structure was a very late decision by the management, that he designed it about five days before the grand opening of the village, and that the construction team worked through the night and all day of the grand opening to get it done. As wow. the guests were arriving at the captain's tower for the black tie grand opening, we were washing the area down all around the play structure. I ran home, showered, put on my tux, and returned to the party, which was in full swing. Champagne, champagne flowed like water that night. The party guests loved the play structure and the entire village. So it was designed and built 
five days before the that's crazy <laughs> the thing opened. And that wait, was, and that was you the, have the name of the person who made it, Scott Gerard. Yeah, holy cow. Okay, I'm buying that guy a dinner somewhere. We, we have. Uh, I reached out to him and I have not heard back yet. But we're gonna we'll, we'll see if we can get his story first. That's incredible. Yeah, holy cow. Holy you want one? How wants to build one in his backyard now? <laughs> you have no. I, that has that thought has struck across my mind a million times, either to build one of those full scale or a small model or something, because that is that is such an integral part of I think many people's Disney going experience. You could hire him to design it for you, Hal. He could he could lay one out for you. And now, excellent. where in reference to you know go my time here? Where was this at? Like. What's it by? I don't know Disney Springs, like downtown Disney. So if if you know where the corner of the world of Disney is, um, Mm -hmm. the corner entrance, it was pretty much smack around, right around there. Um, I think it would be a little bit if if Stitch could spit another twenty or thirty feet, he'd he'd nail it. Yeah, he'd nail it. Yeah. Okay, close to the water or. To the right. Uh, it wasn't. It was about what twenty, thirty feet in, maybe somewhere there. I would say it was a little closer to where that Ghirardelli building is, because there, there, there was probably a five or six foot walkway between the Wetchamacallit and the White Bite entrance. So, right. Was that was that slide like hot all the time to go down? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <I was gonna laughs> <Absolutely. say. laughs> it was, and it was. It, it faced the water too, if I remember, if I recall. To- a totally seventies so playground, just yeah, unsafe kind of a and west facing. You know, northwest. Oh, yeah. The the fireman's pole that he's talking about. Once you get so you would uh, if if to try to describe this. So to to get in, you would crawl through, I don't know, maybe a four foot, three to four foot long tube and then crawl up a 45 degree angle. And uh, I think there were maybe sort of like slats or something in there, right? slats yeah. or something. So you yeah. could sort of grab on and get a foot on it. <laughs> uh, and then you'd crawl up to the, to the top level on the right hand side. You could take the slide down on the left hand side was just a large opening with a pole. I mean, some kid could basically push you out of that opening. <laughs> You're going you're down 10 feet. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> and then, uh, directly across from that place where you walked up, there is another 45 degree angle that you would crawl up and then cantilevered out over uh, over the ground with no uh, support uh, was that section place that Todd was talking about where you'd walk out and it had like the cheese grater end yep. <clears throat> that you could sit in. So, I mean, my favorite thing is I would just crawl up to the top and just hang out at the end of the cheese grater. And just watch people and be a kid and, and do stuff. If you take Jeez a look at the great. photos from my trip that I showed you guys, it looks like a couple of the boards were replaced too. So mine's definitely eighty. It's got its. Uh, it's too many kids hit it. their heads. There was a, there was a stainless those. steel entry, one or two stainless steel entries too at the lower level. Um, yeah, one was under the slide. Like I think when one was underneath the uh, yep. near the pole too. Yeah, just big big holes, like four or five foot uh, diameter holes cut in the bottom that you could kind of crawl in the middle the best part is, is that if your parents watch you they had no idea where you were you dis- once yeah. you went in it was a black hole you were go- <laughs> it's not like today's place dark because we can see through all of them now what year did this disappear 
early nineties. Yeah, was? like ninety two, something like oh, that. Really? Okay. Yeah. Well, I said that long. Yeah. Well, they started the transition to downtown Disney, so they they were they that was ninety four was when they finished mm-hmm. their their first transformation from you know and built Pleasure Island and all that, but that's when they uh, like they did away with the men's store and they did away with the the you know the all all through the nineties they were chipping away at that stuff. Right. So. But yeah, somewhere in the early '90s, that 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 went bye bye. Now, um, answer me this: I'm just looking at this this aerial picture. Now, is it me or does the water like that is kind of surrounding? Did they expand that? Like, is it there more water? Like, you know, yeah. downtown Disney. Well, yeah, there's a full waterway now. And look at look at the island too. And from Captain Jack's, you could practically spit across the. That's what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, yeah. really, the Pleasure so, Island's like in those woods. Well, what happened first was the area right next to Captain Jack's there, like on the left hand side. Nobody, people listening can't see this, but all that was cleared out and they built the Empress Lily there. Oh, yeah. That and is that, missing from and, this. And then okay. what was supposed to happen was with the Empress Lily was supposed to be the start of a New Orleans themed hotel and shopping district that was going to extend out to the left there. And that's that the Empress Lily was supposed to be the start of that. That's why it was a paddle wheeler, you know, it was the, the yeah. river boat. And, uh, and that's, and basically what eventually became Port Orleans French quarter, uh, and then pleasure Island with the night, you know, the nightclub district and all that, uh, that's was originally Nunes wanted to do that down there at, at the village. And then that kind of got, you know, shelved and, and then scrapped when Eisner got there and, and, they took it and ended up building the hotel. I mean, they ended up extending this this water area into a into a river that ran all the way up past the tree houses, past yeah. the you know Old okay. Key West, which was built right there. I mean, Old Key West would be visible in this in, yeah, in the far end right, of this. Right. And then you go up the river, and that's where they built the two uh, River Country or not River Country Port Orleans and uh, Dixie Landings are up at the end there. Got they, it. Uh, yeah, that's at the same time I think is when they took that island out too. Right. And like we should mention that, that that lake was all created too. That the water um, of the canals came down and fed into what was Black Lake, which was behind the preview center, um, and the canals kind of fed into this area. So this was all created, um, but then eventually linked up to to uh, Black Lake, which is uh, just across the, the street. Damn. The amazing thing, you know, if you look at the architecture today Mm -hmm. of Disney Springs, it's like a mishmash of colors and different styles and all kinds of stuff. And the original shopping village, I mean, it was pretty much just like 70s triangles and diagonals and everything was the same wood color. Everything was literally the same color. It was just like very natural wood. Put up a piece of wood and let it weather. Yep. This picture, it just to me, like it looks like it just like it looks well thought out. The whole thing It was you know, classy. Like, it was yeah. serene. It was a nice place to go and visit. And then it became downtown Disney. And look, look <laughs> at the now. How mentioned before we started recording that how small the parking lot is. Look carefully in the very front of the foreground and also off to the right, the parking lot. There's cars parked in the grass. Yeah. Oh yeah. Look at that! They're I counted just, the park. I counted the number of spaces in the parking lot in in this old photo, and there's roughly about 200 spaces. I mean, it's very <laughs> small. That's, it's crazy. Uh, it's it's a, it's very interesting. I've never really seen it like this view. It's this it's something something else. Yeah, and one thing that I that I can mention, it's like I'm I'm Todd. I'm sure you remember this, and Brian, you may from an extent. Like you said, it was very. It was not overly crowded. No, I mean it was. It could be busy, but it, it was. 
it was actually pleasant to walk through. Um, there was a lot of emphasis placed on grading and changing of, of heights. So as you walk through, it was actually kind of interesting. And, and you know, that's something that I don't think they do a lot anymore that they, they used to do a lot more of is like there was, and maybe it's for, you know, wheelchair and ADX Le- legal but, reasons. Yeah. yeah. But there was a lot of, uh, you know, walking up stairs, yeah, just two or steps, like, two or three steps, yeah. you know, yep. just, just to add interest to it. The area that, um, that that reminds me the most of was was uh, where the where the boat rental dock was, right? That had that kind yeah. of amphitheater type step down mm-hmm. and, and and around, and that kind of that mini boardwalk, if you will, that went over to uh, to Captain Jack's. Yeah, and, and what, even uh, even in front of the Pottery Chalet, uh, which is now the World <laughs> of Disney store, which I know it sounds silly to say that, they had a large area <clears throat> um, that was just like four or five foot deep steps that would go from that deck sort of like down to a dock area uh and they would put like pot like just large pots and things all around it but it was just kind of this interesting space Mm. uh that you could be in as if you know like you would see in a big city like if you've ever been to lincoln center or any large sort of like public area in a large city uh it was that it was literally just like a space for people to hang out in what uh, what what boats could you rent there? Since you mentioned the boat oh, dock, well, you had the the water sprites were there. Uh, the one that I recall the most, I have footage of and, and pictures of a lot of pictures of us on it was the canopy boats. Right. What and is that? Canopy boat was a. It sat about. Um, I guess you could probably fit about six six adults on there. Uh, it was essentially an open. I wouldn't call it a speedboat. It was an open shell boat. You could sit all the way up to the front uh, of the of the boat and all the way to the back, and it had a center mounted uh, wheel. Uh, had an inboard, actually no, it was an outboard motor, uh, but connected to a wheel and a throttle. And um, it had a canopy over the top, an aluminum frame that held the, a striped canopy, much like um, the canopy oh, okay. you see on the the bob around boats. Uh, but yeah, I I remember. Uh, renting those quite a few times with my grandparents and my father would always play a trick on my grandfather my brother would sit on his his, my grandfather's lap and then my father you know my 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 brother is whipping the wheel around to the right or left and then my father would reach over and just full throttle and then the whole boat would just kind of start spinning in circles and stuff he always got a kick out of that Timmy fell in the water again (laughs) now could you go all over that lake like around the island way around I remember the actual rules the rules that we were told um, was that you could start proceeding north through the lake and you could go down any canal as long as you didn't go further than three bridges so you could go into the villas areas because when the villas were there you, you they were the waterways connected in the backyard of some of these um, the golf fields and everything was for just these little inlets, if you will. Uh, you could go in there, and if you started to proceed north, which would eventually lead to what you know now as uh, you know where Port Orleans and Dixie Landings was and all that, um, you would eventually go across uh, or go under bridges. And when you got to the third one, that was your uh, you know that was your uh, your cue to to turn around. So um, yeah, I, I have great memories of uh of, of, of the canopy boats um, and they had the pedal boats there too yeah yeah the pedal boats and, the and bobble rounds boats. for a little while too oh bobble rounds were there too yeah 
Now, Crazy. did they have any of the uh, the swan shaped boats that you could pedal? That's the question. Like they have now, what is it, Lake Eola near near there that you can rent them? Yeah, that that was always a Lake Eola thing. I don't ever remember that Lake Eola. being there. It's this this whole place. I look at these pictures as we're talking here. It just reminds me of like what you would see today in an abandoned mall or something. Like it looks so just seventies, <laughs> eighties, like just. It's like it's like an abandoned mall, but it's not abandoned. If that makes sense, yeah, yeah. It 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 was very as Brian said. It was very classy. It was very different. It it was. I I think I've seen it somewhat described as sort of like a New England thing, but it was really very modern California. It was mm. it was that whole ethic that they were doing in the seventies of like raw materials, prevented very you know presented very simply. Um, and it was it was nice. It was just a really nice place to go and walk around. Now, do we have like good footage of this place? I don't even. I've never even. Uh, it's so just not been of interest. Last month's film, uh, or I, I should say, last month's we didn't talk about, but we have released a film, a sixteen millimeter film of the contemporary and Lake Buena Vista, and there's there's really good shots of. Uh, I think we see the light bite in there. I think we see some of the, a lot of the flower plantings. We should probably mention that the flowers and and all sorts of foliage was was pretty prominent uh, through the plantings and, and the the tiered stuff that that Hal was talking about. Yeah, um, and the trees all had the fairy lights in them, so at yep. night they would do the shining like, which is just beautiful. Just yeah, beautiful. It really light up night. I don't know of much footage. Um, uh, you know, there's not a, there's not a lot that I recall. Um, even it, it, yeah, and stuff. It, it's probably not something that somebody. Because yeah. it was a specific destination, you're done touring for the day. You had your camera with you all day you're at, at Magic it. Kingdom or Epcot. You're going to leave it in the hotel room because you're going down there to, for dinner and shopping. And it yep. just who says, let me take my camera to the mall. Exactly. Yeah, it's not. The, <laughs> there's not a castle there in Space right. Mountain. Right. And it's, now, I, the, the, the gentleman we're going to speak to, David Coolidge. Um, now, he did bring his camera in there for a specific reason because he was part of um, the Festival of the Masters, and there's some quick shots on his footage in, inside one of the, the art gallery there. I don't how maybe you know which building it was, but that's the only interior footage and exterior footage that I've you know come across so far. Hopefully, yeah, there I, there I, are some older brochures that you can see some pictures inside, but there right now there isn't a lot of phot- photography that's sort of leaked out of you, of you the are story. you are forgetting the one film that Disney produced. That includes footage of down of, of the downtown area, and that is the uh, the grad night promo film that they <laughs> did the follow me to Disney World, yes. uh, where the Pied Pipers on a school bus <laughs> uh, sing this absurd song, and uh, all of the children of Lake Buena Vista Village begin to follow them. <laughs> The uh, of the world. You know, I realized we spent the 80s and 90s telling kids don't go with strangers. In the 70s, this film encouraged them if they're dressed <laughs> like Robin Hood and playing instruments, follow them. Uh, them. They lead to great things. Uh, Which we will have to tweet out when this episode goes out so people know the absurdity of what we're talking about. That's right. Very cool. Nope. So so let's see what else. Uh, well, you, had, you, had, you mentioned the pottery shelly. Where were the candles? What was that in? The candles. Let's see. So that that was in that area. Uh, 
there, that was another entry? one of those things where there was there were like lots of little shops around the ports of entry. Yeah. So so the port of entry that was kind of like the signature Disney store because there was a huge pile of plush in the middle of it, sort of like the precursor to the plush mountain that you saw in the Disney stores. Mm-hmm. And then there was this this very interesting. Uh, I won't really say steampunk because it's pre-steampunk. It's almost <laughs> like this little rascally's style <laughs> flying contraption with that Mickey and some of the other characters were in. Oh, uh, I have footage of that too because that was there into the eighties. Yeah, and it had uh, it had like a bicycle chain mm-hmm. uh, motor thing on it to make some of the wings flap. Right, right, right. Stuff. Uh, and that was that was the main place where you could buy Disney souvenirs outside of uh, the Magic Kingdom. It's like that was the one store uh, where you could get other Disney stuff. You had asked the question how where we started this of our favorite shops. I don't know that I would call it a favorite, but the one I do remember going in was my dad taking us into Sir Edward's, the haberdashers, uh, the men's store down there, because my father was a a fan of dandy clothing and uh, had many plaid things and patch Christmas patchwork pants and all kinds of, uh, you know, brightly colored things when he was alive. And uh, we, I do remember him going in there on our trip in 88. And I remember him buying a Mickey mouse tie, which back then were not very easy to find. Those were not a common thing, but they did sell them there. And so that was like his thing to come home. I remember he came home from his first trip, which was in like 84 with his company with a Mickey Mouse watch. And then he came back in 88 from our trip with uh, he bought a Mickey Mouse tie and Sir Edward's haberdasher. That's cool. Yeah, And that store lasted until 92, I think, before they closed the men's store. But you could buy a suit down there like a, you know, tailor fitted suit. And they had the stitching, you know, inside the label was Sir Edward's Lake Buena Vista Disney Village. It was really neat. There's something that we need to get. There's one for have. sale on Etsy. If any of you are a 42 regular, there's, there's somebody, somebody's got a plaid jacket on there for sale. <laughs> Gold jacket, green jacket. Every now and then they come up on eBay. I'd say once a year you get, uh, there's a Sir Edwards piece of clothing that, that comes up a lot of times for a while. The label just said, Sir Edwards Haberdasher Lake Buena Vista and made no mention of Disney. So a lot of times people put them up for sale and have no idea <laughs> that it's linked to Disney. They just think it's, you know, something Grandpa Al had, yep. you know, from his summers and for winters in Florida. <laughs> so I, so I, I just found my... So uh, I was going to say, I just found your store. Yeah, your yeah. So this is, we got some great footage. This is about two minutes worth of footage from... Now, this is when it was called Mickey's Character Shop. So this is 1989. As Figment is sold in there, too. You see that. And then the really interesting thing around the one one minute mark is the robots that airbrushed a customized shirt. Oh yeah, I remember, remember those. Yep. It was all kind of industrial setup with all these blinking lights and all over the place. But I mean, it was, you know, it's kind of like one dimensional three D printing, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the robot would pick up the airbrush for each color, pick it up, and 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 um, my dad took footage of that. So this is some interior shots for you for you, JT. I forgot I had this. Oh, and you have you actually have a beautiful shot of that contraption thing that I'm talking about with a hot air balloon in the middle. Yep. It's a this is almost like the precursor to the Dreamfinder's uh Dreamcatcher. Yeah, that's a good way to say, it. yeah. And then that's I awesome. thought, thought for a minute that was the toy store, but it is that there's a giant figment too. That thing's 
38 second mark boy it's <laughs> so that store was connected to to like a whole bunch of other things so when port of entry first opened it it uh, so you must be in the character shop okay so that is the character shop um which which was there the village character shop from the very beginning um and that actually was in a different location. Port of Entry, now that I'm remembering, was almost like a um, like a Pier 1 Imports before Pier 1 Imports was everywhere. So it had a bunch of baskets <laughs> and a whole bunch of weird stuff. Uh, well, weird for a kid, but I guess. Uh, and one of the things that I specifically remember is they had a this silver like miniature Taj Mahal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to remember if the price was like $5,000 or $10,000, oh. but it was this little thing in a glass case. And I actually do have a picture of myself and my niece standing next to it because it was one of those things that you would go and marvel at every time you went there. They had that. And then there was another high ticket item in that area, which might have been in the Toledo Arts building, which was a, another vendor that actually did stuff in the Magic Kingdom. It was this huge, like uh, maybe eight or nine foot diameter chess set with these like two to three foot tall wooden chess pieces. And that was one of those things that was there for a decade for sale that I don't think I ever got sold. Um, sold one special order. Yeah. And I think they had, actually I'm just now remembering that they had like suits of armor there that you could buy as well. Oh, in case you needed that. Just uh, over the top items. Yeah. And they had, they also had like a, a crystal arts, uh, much like the one at the Magic Kingdom. Yeah, there's an Arebus Brothers store there. Yeah, I, where I think like, there still they, is, isn't there? Well, I Probably. Yeah, I don't think they went by that name back then. I think they just, it was probably run by them, but they didn't use that as a brand name until much later on. Yeah, because my recollection, and I would have to go back and look, is that the Arebus Brothers outpost dates back to Walt's time in Disneyland. Oh, okay. If, if, I, if I remember reading that somewhere, but... I'm almost certain that there's been a Rebus uh, crystal like down at the marketplace and on Main Street and in Disneyland and all over the place. So I've got, I've got a kind of funny story how we went to one of the one of the shops. So I think this was '89, and uh, I remember we were going to the Top of the World show at the top of the Contemporary, and um, who but me forgot to pack a dress shirt? So. It's like, okay, what do, you, what do you do? You're staying at the villas? Where are you going to go get a dress shirt? Sir so, Edwards. So we went there, and sure enough, you know, got got a dress shirt in my size and ran back to the villa, ironed it, and we made it to the show that night. Um, so I remember going there for definitely for a, a need. <laughs> so That's I'm, awesome. go I'm going to tell my story that I promised last month to tell. Uh, when I went with my parents, uh, the night that we were going to the village, uh, to shop, uh, was prefaced, uh, by dinner at the Empress Lily in whatever one of the, cause the Empress Lily actually had like two or three different restaurants in it. Uh, well, whatever the fancy one was, this was my parents the night out. We, they packed decent clothes for us to wear. I remember it being you know, January in Florida and it being Florida, I, you know, I wanted to wear shorts the whole time. I had to wear, you know, dress pants to dinner. And, uh, so we had reservations to go to the Empress Lily and, uh, drove down there from our offsite hotel, the Wilson world. And, uh, we're walking down through the village towards the Empress Lily. 
Now, before I went to Disney World, because uh, we got the thing for Christmas, uh, the trip for Christmas, I remember telling uh, kids in, in one of my classes at school, and my teacher said something that I repeated that night and I got in trouble. My eighth grade teacher, Mr. Mark Seligman, I remember you, uh, told us that, uh, oh, you're going to Disney World. He says, that's really great. He says, I've been to Disneyland in California. And really, by comparison, Disneyland sucks. And back then, you know, it being Disney World being the new thing with new parks and expanding and big. And Disneyland was this 30 plus year old, you know, little park that was open five days a week. And uh, they hadn't done a ton of stuff to it since New Fantasyland out there in 1983. So he tells me Disneyland sucks. That was his words. So me at 13 years old was walking up there and somehow Disneyland came up and I said to my parents, you know, my teacher said he's been to Disneyland and it sucks. Now, 1989 or 1988, kids, kids didn't say sucks to your parents. No, you get away no. with it now. Yeah. in the Bart no, Simpson, SpongeBob, uh, I remember my dad got pissed and, the first thing was he didn't believe that my teacher said that to me. He thought I was lying. <laughs> and I remember sitting there for like the first hour of dinner, like, like, you know, the guy that ruined Easter or something. Like I'm just sitting there like, Oh my gosh. But that, that's the one time I remember getting in trouble on that trip. And I think about it every time I see the Empress Lily. <laughs> <laughs> So that so we should tell people that would that did not open up <clears throat> with uh, with like Vista. that didn't open up until May first of seventy seven and uh, I remember we actually uh, went on our yearly trip to Disney that year and we ended up there the week uh, that it opened up because we have photos uh, of this like large sign thing on wheels saying like grand opening so we barely missed the grand opening by like a week or so. Uh, and I remember actually for years, it's like, it, it's, I think it was seemed a little off putting to walk in there just like to walk around because it seemed like it was really a boat, even though it was just this building sort of attached, <laughs> uh, <laughs> next to the, next to the, the walkway there. Uh, so people are actually out front actively encouraging people to like come aboard and look around. And, and as a kid, I just remember thinking one, it was really small. The walkways are really small around the outside, like being accustomed to going on the uh, like the, the riverboat uh, inside the Magic Kingdom. There wasn't a lot you can do. And I just remember thinking, God, it was so fancy. It's like there's no way we could ever, ever go there in a million years. <laughs> I remember eating a couple breakfasts there. We always seem to do that's yep. where we did the character breakfast. And um, uh, in 1980 and 86, and I may have even in there in 89 as as well um but i also remember i, I footage of the uh, getting my mickey shaped balloon out on the decks and uh, walk walking around out there too uh, but yeah what it was kind of tiny it was kind of small that's i have the pennant from there if you ever seen the pennant there was an empress lily pennant yes the, for the character oh, breakfast yeah the, the plastic cup um it's like a mug, and I have a spoon, a metal spoon that says. And I've got the captain's wheel I stole from the pilot house. <laughs> <laughs> My daughter's name is Lily, so we have a little, uh, little oh, setup. Yeah. Now, I, I do you call I her do the Empress a from there. No. 
What did you say to Hal? I, said, I do have a sort of like a tiki mug from the Emperor Soli that's actually shaped like the Emperor Soli. Oh, yeah, I have seen that. It's like uh, the ceramic looking. It's white. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's come up on my searches before. Very cool. Yeah. I'm still trying to find out what drink they actually served in that. I thought I, I thought that was officially a like a creamer, like they sold it as a souvenir for coffee cream. It was or really wide, like the ship shape, obviously. Yeah, it's, it's got a straw yeah. hole in it. So okay, well maybe if you really like cream, yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't like slurp it down? <laughs> it's like the cow creamer with the milk that pours out of his mouth. You know? <laughs> I have one of those too, but not from Disney. <laughs> utterly ridiculous yeah, lots of uh, creamer with your uh, pies <laughs> um but, but that was that was probably their i mean it had what like uh like nine restaurants and bars on the empress only when it opened up it, yeah there was quite a few i remember yeah what was the, so what had was like, the name of the one that had the character breakfast do we know so was there uh so you had the the steerman's quarters right that was like the steakhouse mm-hmm. then you had the the uh, the Empress Room, that was like the really fancy one. Uh, there was the um, oh, let's see, the Captain's Table. That was like a little small room, right? Uh, You're on your own at this point. Huh? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Remember the back? The back had this uh, Baton Lutus, uh Lounge, which I never got to go in, but I know the uh, the band that played there was infamous. Like there was some sort of like uh, jazz, uh, like Dixieland jazz band uh, that was that got really popular. Uh, it was supposed to be really funny. So I'm looking at a list here. So the Baton Rouge Lounge, the Starboard Lounge, which must have been on the starboard side, uh, the Steerman's Quarters, the Promenade Lounge, 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 which I can't say correctly, uh, Fisherman's Deck, Empress Room, Empress Lounge, Captain's Table. And the Texas Deck Lounge. There's that Texas Deck thing again. Like Bill Cork was saying about, you know, up yeah. on the Texas Deck. What is a Texas Deck? That's a deck you don't mess with. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> all your oh, here it is. Here's the Texas is the structure of a section of steamboat that includes the pilot house and the cruise quarters. It's located on the hurricane deck, which may which is also called the Texas Deck. Crazy. And I know a lot about riverboats now. Yeah. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> uh, so Pottery Chalet. So where the world of Disney is now was a large complex that had the Pottery Chalet, uh, the uh, the place that Todd remembers, the, um, oh, heaven's sakes, I lost the name of now. Oh, the Chalet Candle Shop. Yeah, there we go. Uh, like a, a China and Silver and Crystal store. So uh, on the Candle Shop, though, these weren't just candles. Like, do you remember they take these hot knives and... and- they were multicolored candles, so they would be dipped multiple times in different colors, and they take these hot knives and go down the side, and then while that was still warm, they'd curl them and curl, twist yeah. them, and, 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 and these candles, you didn't want to burn them, they were just, they were so cool, and because they were had color in them, and when they cut it, the, the, you know, the color was in the shavings coming off, then when you burned it, when it did go down, it lit up all those things in color. And, oh, interesting. And, yeah. So I, I, I never saw one of those on fire. I just always saw them first. Yeah, no, I was just I was just fascinated by all the twists and the curves, and I haven't seen something you know, that since that day. One of the things that I clearly remember about that particular complex is 
it was kind of like a labyrinth over there. And I, I have these very, uh, very dim memories of people getting lost in that place a lot because there were a lot of interconnecting doors between uh, some of these things inside. So I, I want to say you would come out of uh, out of the one section and then kind of go down this long hallway into another area that opened up into another uh, sort of largish building. And there wasn't a lot of like well thought out traffic flow in there. There was just a lot of people kind of going in all directions. Uh, and I remember there was also this other thing that was kind of indicative of like Bona Vista, uh, where we constantly get tricked because uh, the doors that you would push would also have handles on them. So you'd constantly walk up to a door uh, and pull on the handle to open up and it would turn out there was a push door, which would just drive me crazy and make me sound stupid. Look stupid. Yeah, look stupid. I actually came up with a thing where I'd walk up and go, pull handle, push door, pull handle, push door, pull handle, push door. <laughs> so that I had remembered to do it. And, you know, there was a bunch of other stuff that was probably less exciting to kids. Like there was a shoe store. Yeah. Uh, there was a, uh, a, a fine wine store where you could actually do samples. Um, there was a tobacconist. Um, and they actually hand rolled cigars. I think they actually had like a cigar roller from Tampa that would come here. So they would hand roll you some cigars. There were a couple of changes. I know there was a, a place called Sassy's <laughs> for like preteen girls, <laughs> which fortunately we never had to go into. Nope. Uh, now there was um, at some point that great Southern uh, company opened up, I believe where your robot, um, where your robot uh, t-shirt, oh, t-shirt machines. Machine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which was sort of like Southern ish crafts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also do remember another one of the one of the cool things, which I probably should have mentioned from the beginning, if I would have remembered it, was that each one of these stores had very elaborate signs made for them. So like Toys Fanti- Fantastique had this actual like rocking horse uh, out front that said uh, with Toys Fantastique written across the bottom. Uh, <clears throat> reading there was a store called Two uh, R's Reading and Writing that had like this book with a uh, like a plumed pen. Uh, all carved out of wood outside of it, and there was kind of like the stationary store, and they also had... And that is uh, reading and writing, not reading yeah. and writing. It was apostrophe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the conjunction, conjunctive form of reading. It, yeah. it was it was rural Florida. Come that's, on. That's true, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that was one of the few places where I think you could get any Disney books that happened to be available uh, was there. So I can remember going in and always like browsing books, but they just had like bestsellers are just like a bookstore with some stationary stuff there. Um, and that is one of the interesting things like all, all of these stores, there were a couple that had Disney merchandise, but for the most part, it was just a very interesting shopping center, which, uh, I guess we sort of have back again now with, uh, all the new things that have been added to Disney Springs. It's become more of a, a mall with like separate stores. It's not so much the Disney focus thing as it used to be because once the marketplace took over, that thing literally just became like a Disney shopping center from top to bottom. Like, I don't think there was, a, there was still a couple of like, uh, the surf store and, uh, some women's clothing stores, but like by and large, it was Disney merchandise, the entire thing. So, so I guess in some ways it's returned to its roots. That's right. All right. Well, I wish I could go back. I, I remember it was, a, I remember that, you know, as we said, it was relaxing, right? How that's what you pointed out. And I, yeah, it, I think that's the biggest thing. It was, it was not overly crowded. So no. it, you got, it felt very relaxed there. Um, 
you could go and just, you know, as as a as a kid in a family, you could go there and not feel rushed and crowded. And as the marketplace happened, and as I guess Disney got better at marketing this, all of a sudden it just seemed like there was a crush of people there all the time. And through the 2000s, it's like you couldn't walk through there comfortably at all without no. just constantly bumping into people because it was just so busy. I, I, um, I, will, I will say it's it's been a staple of all my visits towards the end, too. I don't know why. it's I, As much as it's been busier than it has in years past, it's always, to me, it's kind of a, a decompressed stop on, on the way out. A number of times we've gone over there, you know, had a 3 o'clock flight. We go and spend the morning over there and have lunch. Yeah, and, well, and it was a nice place. If you, if you saw something in the parks, you didn't get it. It was maybe an opportunity to go somewhere. Right. Our family used it sometimes as a, as a way to go experience a little bit of the Disney magic without having to pay, you know, for a ticket to get in. You could get a little bit of that feel. And, you made, uh, and there's people that still use it that way. Made your trip for pie, so. <laughs> yes, we and they had a, a really good pies there. How with this, I know we've got merchandise and you have a shirt to commemorate like Buena Vista in a way for this month's merchandise design. So why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about what you what you put together? So, well, well, now I feel like I should go talk to the man about it. But what I've been working on is a uh, is sort of like a blueprint T-shirt of of the whatchamacallit because that was such a uh, a heavy part of uh, of my childhood. So, yeah, go to the shop and uh, get yourself a whatchamacallit shirt. There you go. And, yeah. So if you want to get that merchandise or anything else, head on over to retrodisneyworld.com forward slash support us, and you've got all sorts of great stickers and um, t-shirts is how pointed out we've got notepads iphone samsung cases you name it they're all there and um, your proceeds go to help keep us on the air and um, keep everything going um, film restoration etc speaking of film restorations we haven't done one in a while we've released a couple of them we haven't talked about any on the show i think we have a couple in the pipeline we're going to want to talk about relatively soon um, we have a, a set of um, absolutely unopened attraction 8mm films that we with, we were able to acquire and those are being um, restored those are uh, attraction films directly from uh, Disney, they were 8mm souvenir films and um, a couple of them I have uh, was it Brian, you, you saw one somebody had a copy of one yeah, on there, were, there were poor copies of three, uh, two or three of the six Mm-hmm. But at least three of them are not in circulation anywhere. Right. So, and and I I have know of nothing on some of these. I've never seen anything ab- about them before. So this could be kind of a the next exclusive thing that we've got coming at you. So all of your uh, your your uh, anything you purchase helps helps keep that wheel turning. So appreciate it. And again, don't forget to look us up um, if you're going to be there in November at Destination D at the Contemporary Resort. Please head over to RetroDisneyWorld.com forward slash tour. Tickets go on sale September 25th. All the information is there. That's the website. That's the page you're going to go to to get your tickets. Uh, It is limited to the first 50, and we will have a standby list in the event that that sells out relatively quickly. So um, I think it's important that we uh, offer a note of thanks. Todd and JT and I last night uh, spent some time with the gals from the Divas Dish Diz podcast that had us on as a guest. Thank you very much. We want to Triple thank uh, podcast. Yeah, we want to thank the whole crew over there. 
for uh, making it an entertaining evening. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, last week, we were also uh, guests on the Mouse Knows Best podcast. So thanks to everybody over there for putting us on the air and uh, getting the word out about our tour and, and, our, and our website and everything. So thank you very much to both of you. So, guys, we already gave it away. We've got um, Carousel Progress coming up next month. Um, as we learned in, in um, last month's episode, remember there's six theaters, four for the show and two for load, one for load and one for unload. So we'll be deep diving into one of the best attractions ever created out there. And this one really goes back, this goes back to the 60s. So this Progress Land brochure from Ted Linehart's going to certainly come in handy. Thanks to all of our listeners. Uh, as always, you can, if you can, drop us a review on iTunes. Um, feel free to give us uh, any questions and comments. Send it to a podcast at RetroDisneyWorld.com. And if interested, leave your message to us directly at 978-71-RETRO. Just give that number a call. You've got up to three minutes to leave a message, and maybe you'll be on the air on the next episode. So until then, thanks for all of our listeners. We'll see you next month. And uh, with that, Brian, take us out. Follow Todd McCartney and Retro Disney World on Twitter and Instagram at RetroWDW on Facebook at Retro Disney World. For all things Retro Disney World, including exclusive merchandise, visit us on the web at RetroWDW.com. On Twitter, you can find our producer, Jason Bartell from Deepwater Studios, at JasonDWS. Our announcer, Andre Gardner, at Andre Gardner. And follow our hosts, Hal Bowers, at GoAwayGreen. For JT Couser at LS1JT. And you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at Brian P. Miles.